0: Welcome to the CRC Team Review, which contains the group segments from this week's Christopher Peter Review. Please enjoy.
1: Welcome to the CRC Conversation on the Christopher Peter Review, where we discuss leading current events impacting our public policy and the happenings in our political system. I want us to discuss an important topic in our conversation this week, and that is homelessness in America. Homelessness continues to be a problem in many of our large cities and now expanding to other communities as well this is not a new problem. Homelessness has been a problem well before many of us were even born. In many cities, like New York City, Philadelphia, and others, people are used to seeing the homeless, stepping over them when they block walking paths. Out West, we have seen news stories about the homeless tent communities, where public officials in cities like San Francisco or Los Angeles, needed to deconstruct massive structures. We have never adequately answered the question of how to address homelessness and how society can save these individuals. Republicans, Democrats, progressives, or conservatives have failed to effectively address homelessness. Some just keep it out of the public view better than others. How can we do better in the present moment?
0: The out of sight out of mind approach does not really solve the problem. That approach just mitigates some of the surrounding issues homelessness causes in America, like public urination and defecation, crime, and disorderly conduct that can drive away tourists and their spending. People may be sympathetic but most people do not want to see the problem firsthand. That is why many donate to charity rather than volunteer. The knee-jerk solutions have not really worked out well. You cannot just round them up and push them out of high traffic areas. They still do not have any place to go. When you create more homeless people than you help, you run out of places to hide them, which is why we are seeing them more and more. The real need is to figure out how to effectively and efficiently mitigate homelessness. It might not be a problem that we can completely rid society of. But maybe we can reduce it. But we need to address the factors that cause homelessness. I have heard so many different theories about why homelessness exists. A person tried to convince me that homelessness could be solved if some places would stop shipping unwanted people to cities like New York or Los Angeles. Keep in mind this was well before the whole shipping of illegal immigrants throughout the country. There are more rational reasons why people end up homeless and remain homeless. The prevailing reasons are drug addiction and mental illness. Other factors like financial strife without a support system also creates homelessness. Not sure that we can do anything about a supposed transfer of unwanted people to these cities. But maybe do something about drug addiction and mental illness if we really wanted to. But we have yet to adequately eradicate drug addiction or effectively address mental health as well.
1: So this whole movement of legalizing drugs and making them more available is probably not a good thing for society. Right? Finding rational solutions to problems is something we struggle with in society. Addiction is something we should take more seriously. It is a problem that impacts people of all demographics, all walks of life, regardless of whether one is rich, poor, educated, or uneducated. Lifestyle choices may have unintended consequences. There are many problems besides homelessness that are caused by drug addiction. Crime in our communities is largely driven by people under the influence of a drug or in the pursuit of funds to purchase their next fix. For some time now, the left wants America to scale back efforts to turn Americans away from drugs. Radical left-wing politicians want the federal and state governments to legalize drugs and then increase treatment centers, which is counterintuitive.
0: We know we cannot and probably should not jail every addict. So, what makes one think that we can run enough facilities to treat every addict if you make drugs more readily available? And how many times do we treat the same repeat addicts? Obviously, the proposed solution will not solve our drug problem. Just like incarcerating users has not. We need people to willingly turn away from drug use. Stop normalizing it. We see it glorified in movies, music, and other art forms. Many times by people who are not real users and not willing to be accountable for the addicts they may inspire by their art choice. I think we need to continue publicly opposing drug abuse. To some degree efforts to turn people away from drugs is working, as surveyed teens show lower levels of drug use as well as lower levels of smoking, which is a good sign. Many are not even trying them. Now we all may hold doubts about the accuracy of survey data, as some of the teens may respond in a manner they believe the surveyor wants them to or if they feel like responses will get them in trouble. But I am sure there are multiple efforts to ensure the results are consistent. I wonder if technology is also improving the situation as well. You can see videos of what addiction looks like, the effects of addiction, and how it impacts families, friends, and those around them. Many people are influenced by not wanting to be the people they see in content, which is a helpful deterrent. Even if you do not overdose, you may end up on the streets, as you struggle to hold a job or function as a normal human being. The positive is that we might be able to prevent future generations from making the same mistakes but we have to be cautious that they might start later in life than in their teens.
1: Mental illness is another problem that we have struggled to address as well. We continue to see tragic events resulting from mental illness, which have led to the loss of life. Some of the homeless might not be in the mental state to understand possible help available or social services they can seek. One challenge that exists with treating the homeless is being able to locate them as they may not be in the same location. If they miss appointments or need a visit, People trying to help may not be able to find them. How can we better address the mental health aspect for our homeless? I am neither a
0: mental health expert nor an addiction expert. But from my experience on the business side of a large health system, I heard of a practice in providing care or follow-up medication for homeless patients was for providers to ask patients for common hangouts or to have patients come back to the hospital. Unfortunately, you still have issues with no-shows or loss of contact and I can assume much higher rates for mental health-related treatment for those with severe mental health issues. People who need help but are still completely functional probably you will have more success with. But not an easier answer. The real aspect or issue that I think is worth debating is whether institutionalizing some of these individuals is beneficial to their well-being rather than roaming the streets. Many of these individuals might be better served in an institution, potentially being harmed or harming others. Not a free solution though do we return to an era of mass institutionalization? And how do we ensure that we are just not using facilities as the new incarceration? How many can be rehabilitated and reenter society as stable citizens? Those are questions better answered by those in power. But I think these are questions we should be asking. Not just looking away when we see the clear need.
1: No solution would be free of cost. But the government has shown the ability to find funds to serve the needs of non-citizens. Consider how much money is being spent on housing, transporting, tracking, and shielding all these illegal immigrants around the nation. This is money that could be used to improve our approach to housing the American homeless. Some cities are renovating abandoned buildings to house illegals, when they never even thought of doing this to the same extent to address the homeless that they step over on their way inside their offices. Money spent to aid and abet those violating our federal laws. Rather than helping our citizens who are in need of assistance.
0: We also should consider that there are veterans, who served in the armed forces and returned home with mental health issues that were never adequately treated, who are among the homeless population. They deserve better. Sometimes you need to choose where to start to solve a problem. And I believe that ensuring that none of our veterans are homeless is a good place to start. Basic Google search shows that veterans have a higher chance of ending up homeless than the general population, which is something we should do more to prevent. Personally, I think it is our greatest failure as a society that people return home from service without being given the assistance needed to rejoin society or live a normal life. They sacrifice their lives for people who they never met or will ever be thanked by. The least we can do is make sure that the effects of their service are adequately accommodated. The motto is no soldier is left behind, but if they are left out on the street after giving so much to our society, they are being left behind. And this is really unacceptable.
1: Finally, we must also acknowledge that many of the homeless are still viable contributors to our society and our economy. Many just need an opportunity to work and transition back to society. For people without an address, it is hard to find employment. In reality, there are many people who are one paycheck from being in that exact same situation. Just an economic reality for some in our society. Many people are blessed to have people who can take them in during their time of need. Others are not so fortunate. We need to find ways to bring as many as possible back into our economy and afford them a path towards a normal life.
0: I agree. We need to create opportunities to afford a path from homelessness to employment. Even if individuals lack basic skills, there are still services they can do. For instance, can we help expand efforts to increase domestic manufacturing by establishing operations where homeless are able to work and live in facilities that produce materials needed by our economy? Consider how much funds our companies spend on manufacturing overseas with nations that are now our economic and diplomatic enemies. Rather than paying nations we cannot trust, maybe we can channel those funds back within our economy and help those in need at the same time. Part of the reason why labor is offshored is because of minimum wage or cost of employment. Maybe create exemptions to the rule, where the housing provided is calculated into the formula so that they can attain housing and develop skills and one day get back on their feet. These individuals are potentially a pool of untapped potential. We need to start thinking of ideas to help these individuals. Instead of giving them a couple dollars to fund their next liquor or drug purchase, we need to start taking on the big problems in society. Instead of paying illegals to do cheap labor, may consider your local homeless. Maybe. Now, let us bring in the rest of the team for a broader discussion. There is plenty of time between now and when voters have to head to the polls to cast their ballots for the President of the United States. There is plenty of time between now and when states begin the primary season for nominating who will be on that ballot for the presidency. Based on the polls today, Republicans could have a nominee with three indictments and possible convictions. Who still might be a more viable candidate than the Democratic nominee who will be fighting not only the Republican nominee but the forces of gravity and biology. And potentially more baggage as well. Let us start with the Republicans. How reasonable is it for Republicans to change the odds as they currently stand? And how can they do it?
2: As you said, it is still early. Former President Donald Trump has the natural early advantage because he was president. He has a fiercely loyal base. Also, he still enjoys the same advantage he had in 2016. Trump continues to benefit from free media exposure. An angry media that affords him free media exposure every single night. Networks like CNN and MSNBC continue to make him the centerpiece of their coverage. While they may think that is helping to reduce his appeal, the constant exposure helps fuel the sentiment of his base. Maybe they think that will help Democrats in the long run. So, it is not surprising that Trump is enjoying an early advantage at this point. But I think Republican contenders can change the tide. For two reasons. First, I think the field is much stronger this time around than it was in 2016. Secondly, Trump is not running a disciplined campaign to this point and is a weaker candidate than last time. In 2016, Republicans featured around 15 candidates viewed as Republican in name only and one outsider. In an election where both Republicans and Democrats were not happy with the respective establishments, Trump was able to exploit this. He will not be able to this time around. There are candidates who will be able to deliver Trump-like results without the Trump-like behaviors, affording voters an alternative. They will be able to appeal to the electability factor in the general as that will be a major obstacle for a Republican ticket with Trump on it. Secondly, Trump is making the case for returning to office by playing the victim and attacking fellow Republicans rather than making salient arguments against Biden. We can be somewhat sympathetic to the view that there is a politicalization of some of the legal issues he is facing, elevating misdemeanors to felonies for the sole purpose of trying to prevent a political candidate from running his misconduct. We know that there is bias when it involves Trump, especially when you have Biden promising to do everything possible to ensure he cannot return to office. But Republicans do not have to be sympathetic to a candidate who makes everything about himself. The election is about how to restore America and lift us out of the spiral of debt, decline, and despair. Especially a candidate that praised disgrace former Democrat New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Republicans and Americans can still get the positive policy approach we want without the erratic behavior.
1: Trump leading in the early polls is not surprising because he was the earliest candidate to announce and the one with the largest national base. As we talked about for the longest time, Trump had many advantages in his pursuit for a return to office. The biggest obstacle would be himself and how he handled the attacks that would come from all angles. The biggest challenge to Trump is pending investigations, indictments, and possible convictions, although who knows if there will be pleas, dismissals, or exonerations. All of which has made the former president more popular with a base that delusionally still thinks the election was completely stolen. Now, I do think the situation is much different this time around than in 2016. The last time around, he was an outsider and there was no clear alternative in a field that was way too large. This time around, I think many see this as Trump versus Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. While the numbers still currently favor Trump, DeSantis just recently entered the race and both are polling strong against Biden. DeSantis is a formidable opponent. He has been an extremely effective governor of Florida and is appealing across the board. He is definitely presidential material. But we still need to see if he can perform on the national stage. The argument for Trump is that he was president, and, for the most part, it was a successful period of time from a policy perspective. Other than COVID, Trump fostered a growing dynamic economy, maintained global peace, constrained China, and expanded opportunities for all Americans. The downside, obviously, is his erratic behaviors and handling of the early pandemic response. We still have a president with erratic behavior, who also failed with COVID and is missing any sense of policy success. The challenge for the field of Republican candidates will be navigating a path to the nomination in a manner that can reel back in the Trump base. Many of the candidates simply are not ready to be president. DeSantis may be able to overcome this. But I do not think that the field is as robust and prepared as before. There simply is one clear alternative. I am not sure the baggage will be as big of a factor, as we are starting to see similar troubles with Biden as well. So that may neutralize that issue as there is clear political bias involved as well.
0: Whether it is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis or former President Donald Trump who navigates out of the Republican primary season, the Democratic nominee will be Joe Biden, unless he decides that he is unable to re-run. The current term of the Biden administration is not going well. The world is fractured. Our economy is stagnant with the only positive news is near misses of catastrophic events like a federal government default. Border issues are returning, requiring states to take matters into their own hands. Now, we continue to see more troubling news around Joe Biden as well. Reports that he might have accepted questionable money. Reports of trouble surrounding his son, Hunter. And he too mishandled classified material. The biggest issue for Joe Biden is Joe Biden. There are legitimate reasons to question whether he should re-run or retire. He clearly is not in capacity during many of his public appearances. The question is should Democrats
2: consider a different option? I do not think anything is humorous in seeing an elderly American politician fall down steps or on the stage of the graduation ceremony for one of our armed forces academies. But it does raise the question of fitness for the highest office in the land. Even if he is truly fit, he has shown that he lacks judgment in the policy prescription to lead America where we need to be. I think the decision to rerun for any political office in America should be based on a real record of success that exceeds points of failure. There are not many areas where you can truly say the Biden team is truly succeeding at. I think we can give him credit for rallying our allies around a response to the illegal Russian invasion of Ukraine. But not much has worked since in that regard as the conflict still continues. We should not be in the position we are in economically and that is because of poor economic judgment. The misleading messaging about inflation is troubling as well. Jobs are somewhat stable because companies are concerned about the ability to attract talent. But some are coming to the realization that reductions are needed. The only alternative I think Democrats would have would be California Governor Gavin Newsom, but Californians showed their dislike for their own governor by nearly recalling him not that long ago. But clearly he has intentions to one day run for office.
1: Joe Biden is not the President America needs and we deserve better. He simply has failed to perform up to anyone's expectations. Our economic, foreign, and domestic policy is failing and there is no reason for Americans to once again double down on failure. I agree that there is no humor in the accidents that occurred. But Biden is another example of Democrat leaders who overstayed their time in politics, which is more of reflective of bad judgment of the electorate. Elected officials should be held to their promises as well as their promises. So let's start with his promise to foster an economy that was to be built up better and equally for all. Rather we have an economy where it is declined for all and where his team wants outcomes based on demographics rather than effort, experience, education, and innovation. Biden promised to restore our reputation on the world stage and return adults to forefront. While we can credit him for rallying our allies in a response, He should have done more before solidars crossed the border. But he is weak at protecting borders. And leaving some of our allies trapped in Afghanistan probably did not garner the goodwill needed or distracted them with a crisis of his creation. Domestically, Biden struggles to maintain a regulated border, rather he is costing many communities billions by ignoring the problem and aiding and abetting violations of our federal immigration law. Border security should not be a partisan issue but a must for any society. Biden has been the Trojan horse for the progressives and Americans are way worse off than we should be at this point. I am not sure Democrats have a viable alternative if they decide that any direction is needed. Many notable candidates are either completely unlikable, inexperienced, or too radical. California Governor Gavin Newsom may be setting the stage for a future run. I think he will evoke a strong negative response as we have seen firsthand businesses and people flee the golden state of California for greener and safer pastures. Nationalizing policies that breed poverty, income inequality, and homelessness is not the right move either.
0: Finally, there is a real possibility of a rematch of the 2020 election. I am not sure any American voter, Republican, Democrat, or Independent really want to see this. The 2020 election was politically toxic to our society, our system of government, and our well-being. What are your
2: thoughts? Personally, I do not think it will happen. I will put my trust in the hope that Republicans will decide that another direction is needed. I think it is better for Trump to serve maybe as a Republican power broker than actual candidate. But that would require him to actually fund candidates, not just talk about funding candidates. The biggest question is how will Joe Biden campaign this time around? During COVID, there was a reasonable excuse to avoid the public but that will not be available this time around. What happens if, come 2024, he realizes that this is not a good idea and Democrats lack the time to really evaluate potential candidates? Could DeSantis or Trump face a DNC-appointed nominee?
1: First, I think it would be interesting to see how voters would respond to an appointed, not elected nominee. But no reason to speculate at this point. If Trump becomes the Republican nominee and Biden continues to be committed to running again, then let's have a rematch. People get what they ask for and this is the ballot that the voters ask for. A rematch between Trump and Biden. We must keep in mind that it is not just a factor of not being able to hide in a basement throughout a campaign. But balancing the duties of the presidency while running for re-election as well. He will not be able to hide from the public. He has duties to do at the same time. And he needs to campaign. We do need a spirited contest that hopefully is centered on the issues but we know that neither Trump nor Biden will do well sticking to the issues. The rematch will be uncomfortable. But maybe we can avoid it.